0: mission incoming welcome crew the ultimate Potem- 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 picture show, show.
1: Episode 0087, A Most Divinely Drunkard of a Man. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae, the founder of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club, and I'm here to tell you this podcast will likely contain adult words with four letters and use in them and other vowels. On this episode, we will be making our version of a tea cocktail. We have heathen on the news. We have another double feature in our feature presentation. We have love and friendship and the nice guys. We have so much going on. So we better head in to the VIP booth at the top of the cantina and get episode 87 started. Sitting across from me is the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. She's the yin to my yang, the willy to my nilly, the milly to my vanilli, the purple to my nurple, the nice to my guys the love to my friendship her name is heathen
2: what a nice intro
1: well it was all lies
2: that's fantastic
1: it's a little bit warm we're getting into the warm season in the cantina and it's always interesting when we have people on into the cantina and um they they sweat you know we should have a new segment called where where in the world is beer maker matt <laughs> i think he's in reno now but he might be in Truckee. Or Carson, but he's probably in Reno. Right? He's back? Or is he still in Guadalajara? No, he's back. All right. If you have a tip on where you've seen beer maker Matt last, you can call us on the Potable Picture Line. That number is 775-996-3986. He's in disguise. He's been wearing uh, parkas and not wearing his eyewear. And a honcho. And a honcho? That means made.
2: Mm.
1: Honcho in Mexico.
2: Well, then I guess I'm calling it wrong. Whatever he was, a poncho.
1: That's what I said, a poncho.
2: Well, he could have had a honcho, too. Who so knows? So
1: if you see someone that looks like a Mexican beer maker, Matt, a cerveza making... What's the... What's Gringo. The Sp- what's the Spanish word for Matt? I think it's Mateo?
2: just Matt. Yeah. There a you
1: go. Cerveza <laughs> honchoing Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> then call us on the potable picture line. All right, heathen. Episode eighty-seven is in full gear. I'm sweating, so let's let's get everything going. Let's see what happened today in film history. Oh no! Before we do that, anytime you hear this sound, uh, that's that's fine to hit this baby. Drink along with us at home. Um, if you guys are old listeners, you'll you'll know that that sound that sounder actually came from the Nerd Poker podcast, and they did a live recording um, just a couple weeks ago in L.A. Uh, for a benefit for some one of their friends with cancer, or something I really would have liked to have gone. They had Pat Oswald and Brian Posain and a bunch of people and, uh, you know, Chris Hardwick. It would have been neat. So anyway... It would have
2: been fun to ask them if they could say it again. It's fine to hit that baby.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was a special encounter, a and d encounter where they were fighting a giant baby. Um, a giant magic baby. Anyway, anytime you hear that sound, go ahead and drink along with us. I'm having some Lagunitas Pale Ale.
2: And I'm having a glass of Chardonnay.
1: All right.
0: Red film history.
1: I like to drink like a cartoon character to keep my vocal skills up. You know, recently I went to audition for a podcast and they said, What skills, talents, dialects do you have? And I wrote down, I can drink like a cartoon character. Really? No, I didn't write that. I said I did host a podcast and that I was in a Chinese furniture commercial. (laughs) And they did ask me about the podcast. I said, It's a movie podcast. Okay, look it up. All right, today in film history, her name is Norma Jean Mortensen. You might know her as Marilyn Monroe. She was born today, June 1st, 1926. Today would be her 90th birthday, even though, like many before her, she probably would have died nine times by now, had she survived, because the Mafia or the Kennedys would have definitely gotten to her eventually. Um, She did die uh, August 5th, 1962 at the age of 36, the ripe old age of 36. Her career was over by then anyway. Women can't act over the age of 36, especially so. ones with no talent.
2: Okay, anyway.
1: And I have a question for you, Heathen. You've talked about Marilyn Monroe on the podcast before. Tell me some things. <laughs> no, there's, there are some people, there's some cultural icons that just transcend um, the decades. And they find new fans, people like Elvis and James Dean and Marilyn. I think Marilyn Monroe may be more than any of them. What is it about Marilyn Monroe that still transcends time, that people um, still are drawn to her for whatever reason.
2: Well, I think it's um, probably the same thing as, like, a Buddy Page thing. She's so beautiful and um, just a simple, beautiful woman. Like, there's no Photoshop. There's no crap that's going on, and people like classic things, and those are two very iconic people that I think women, um, like nowadays, anybody can be a star. You just, you have a YouTube video or whatever. But back then, you had to be able to act, sing, and dance. You had to be a triple threat to really have be to do a star. not any of them well. That's not true.
1: But, um, you know, I think you're onto something with the authentic- authenticity factor. Because, you know, she wasn't your classic um play even though she was in the first episode of playboy ever she's not your classic pin-up girl she was a, sh- sh- a she girl. was a shapely girl a shapely mm-hmm. woman who um you know would never make it well now they're trying to change things a little bit recently but say 10 years ago she never would have made it on the cover of a magazine the way that everyone's got to be like 90 pounds which, and which is made ridiculous of bones. no i they agree
2: they need to be Homely looking, you know, very simple looking, beautiful without anything on is attractive to me. Men or women?
1: Hmm. So, someone like, uh, oh, that's probably why you like uh, Paul Blart. So, if Kevin James was back in the 50s, he might have been, been a bit a big sex symbol for you. Mm. Maybe you like, uh, like uh, Costello.
2: No, I don't.
1: From, from uh, I'm not attracted Costello. to
2: the heavier guys. Oh,
1: okay. So, it's a double standard.
2: Uh, no, I'm not, I okay, I'm not gonna. Super heavy people. Yes, those two gentlemen are handsome.
1: Kevin James isn't super heavy.
2: Well, he's not super, he's not, he's more than pleasantly plump.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your two cents <laughs> on Marilyn Monroe. Let's, are you ready to hit your news?
2: I guess.
0: All right. right. The
2: new Friday the 13th movie will change Jason. We'll be seeing Jason and Pamela beginning yet again on their legacy of staying, of, I can't read, slaying anyone who dare set foot on Camp Crystal Lake. Um, the circumstances of how Jason becomes Jason, um, they're going to be changing. They're going to completely overhaul everything. In the first film, the series saw Pamela taking Pamela taking the role of the killer. His mom. Mm-hmm. Jason returns after Pamela's death seeking vengeance. So we're not really sure what's going to happen, but they're both going to be playing in the movie and maybe... Maybe Jason will have some like visions of his mom or something, but it's going to be completely different than any Friday the 13th movie we've seen.
1: I'm not a big fan of this. I mean, I'll wait and see what happens. But first of all, you have to do something different, but you also can't do it completely different. So you can't go and like not make the mom not the killer in the first one. You pretty much have to keep the first one as it is, or you're gonna make a bunch of people pissed off. There's people are huge fans of these films that will even watch the shitty ones. Friday the thirteenth might be one of the biggest horror franchises that's existed. And you've gotta keep the hockey mask, you've gotta keep Camp Crystal Lake, you've gotta keep um, you know, at least some of those things. You may sure go ahead and modernize it or whatever. But I really I don't know what you can do. You, you've put Jason in hell. You've put Jason in space. I mean, what the fuck else is there to do? You've had Jason fight Freddy Krueger. Um, there's nothing. Leave the guy be. And I have a feeling this is just going to be another one of the things where they're just going to, if they end up changing everything, it's just going to try to be a money grab based on the name. Um, Or just, you know, stupid kids will just be like, oh, here's a horror movie that I don't know anything about, but I'll go see oh, it. like, and then, who's
2: Paul McCartney?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. But... um and if they keep it too much the same, there's just nothing else to do with it. Hollywood, go out and get a new iconic horror monster. We haven't had any anything good since like the 90s as far as like a good horror villain. I, I think, think it's think, kind of franchise. tapped
2: out unless they bring up some old stuff because you can only go so far before you run out of ideas.
1: Yeah, so leave, leave them alone.
2: Well, Or have them fight movie. the Ghostbusters. Friday the 13th is set to open on January 13th, 2017.
1: That's my birthday. So keep it on your list. Oh,
0: yeah. Toast to my
1: birthday. <laughs> All right.
2: Sony's Emoji Movie is slated to release Ugh. in 2017. Really?
1: No, just this idea. I'd like to hear about it. It just, this this almost started out as a joke. Okay, ju- but think- you
2: could wait until I'm done before you sigh, because it sounds like you're sighing because I'm talking.
1: No, I'm sighing now because you're talking.
2: Oh, well, let me keep talking. Oh, God. Following the success of Angry Birds, the movie adaptation of the popular mobile game, Sony is confident that its emoji movie will have the same kind of success. The studio is in a battle over the merchandise trademark rights. Which continuously affect the ancillary market of the products. Um, they're wondering if Sony is legally allowed to title that movie.
1: Emoji? Mm-hmm. Is Emoji copyrighted by Sony? Well,
2: Marco Hugues, a former video game executive from Germany, has created more than 3,000 of his own Emoji icons and trademarked and licensed oh, them so for he's... any for use in an array of merchandise through his company, the Emoji Company.
1: So he's trademarked the happy face. I don't think that. And you know, you just make it different enough. You can't make the same swirly pile of poop. Who I think, hope in the movies played by Adam Sandler. I think Dave Franco should play the smiley face.
2: Well, in um, October, Sony filed an application for dozens of trademarks in connection with the film, and they were all rejected in February.
1: This is re- this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard.
2: Well, I'm pretty sure they'll come to some sort of an agreement at some point. But. Who are they
1: going to sue—the Egyptians who came up with this first, or the fucking caveman in their cave dwellings? I
2: don't
1: know. You can't trademark a goddamn happy face.
2: And my last bit of or news: or two
1: people holding hands that are both wearing blue shirts and have blonde hair, or a wave. <laughs> yeah, I've trademarked, trademarked all waves. The sun. No one else can use waves.
2: You can buy your dog a stroller, a gourmet meal, a spa treatment while jet-setting in an airport, even in an annuity to protect your pup in case you pop away, pap, pass away.
1: In case you pup away.
2: In case you pup away. Now you can add something else to that list, beer. A number of breweries have started making and selling beer especially brewed for dogs. Their non-alcoholic brews aren't fermented. Even non-alcoholic human beer is fermented.
1: Yeah, it's got like 0.05% or something. Right,
2: it? so this could be like super toxic to the dogs. Of but course. non-fermented beer wort is included. Seaweed extract, natural chicken flavoring, and some other things that are added.
1: So why don't they make chicken flavored beer for humans? It doesn't sound This good. is an outrage.
2: Other brands of craft beer brews for the dog include Bowser Beer and Dog Grog in the U.S. Dog Grog's US, a good one. And Snuffle in the U.K.
1: I was thinking of uh, Leg Hump Lager, um, Puppy Porter. Um, hmm. What else do we have out there?
2: So then you need to start being the mar- the PR person for...
1: Snoopy Stout? No. Stump... S- That's good. S- hmm. Snout Stout?
2: For people who have beagles?
1: How about snout stout?
2: Or just a snout?
1: Yeah, I'm out of ideas right now. But
2: keep uh. it simple. Would you like a snout?
1: Alright, Heathen, are you ready to, <laughs> ready to go into Cocktail Corner? Yes. Alright.
0: I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. Yeah!
1: So we're doing our version of a Long Island today. We're doing the Churchill Iced Tea. Churchill is the name of the city. Or Church Hill. Churchill Iced Tea, Churchill's name of one of the cities and the love and friendship movie. Um, A regular Long Island Iced Tea, as most people know, is is pretty easy to make. You take all your white liquors from your well, your tequila, your white rum, your um, triple sec, your vodka, your gin, You put in about an ounce and a half of each and a Collins glass that's filled with ice. Then you fill half, half each of Coca-Cola and sweet and sour. So this one, we're doing a little bit of a variation, Um, trying to keep it a little bit British. We have uh, two ounces of our dill. What else is in that vodka that we distilled? Cucumber. I don't think there's cucumber in it, but there's. Oh, there's just there's like uh,
2: just random herbs that were left over from well they they something. weren't really
1: random but there's 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 rosemary yeah rosemary's in there um,
2: cilantro well,
1: I don't think there's any cilantro but we we uh, what well, my idea was to take a vodka and and kind of um, make it like a gin because basically a gin is botanical vodka so there's about four or five herbs in there I'm sorry that I can't remember what's in there I think there's rosemary um, probably some sage. Time probably some time. time, you know just your classics so we have two ounces of that we have two ounces of a dark rum uh that, that's a tribute to the uh, english colonial days and it's a dark rum that's infused with tea with black tea again a nod to the british and then we have two ounces of triple sec and i apologize last I'm week a too
2: it- much triple sec <sighs> i think
1: Anyways, I apologize for last week when I said we didn't have control for the B52s. We do have control, um, which Heathen still wouldn't have drank it. But two ounces of triple sec. Then I filled it um, with um, sweet sour, and instead of Coke, we use RC, because Royal Crown. Nothing says England like the crown. So that is what we've made. This is the Churchill iced tea. What would you like to drink, Do Heathen?
2: Um, Slide the City is this Saturday.
1: What is Slide the City?
2: We're going to Slide the City. It's like a big um, super slide. Uh, what, what were the ones that we did when we were kids?
0: A slip and
1: Slide?
2: Yeah, the Slip and Slide. It's like that. I thought it was going to be like an actual slide, kind of like a water park Slide the City, but it's just a big flat slider, so I wonder how that's going to work but it's gonna be downtown and we have three trips to go and our slide our wave time is seven o'clock.
1: Yeah, you're making it sound a little bit even more dumb than it is. So if you want to check it out you can go I forgot the name of the what's well, what's not dumb. It was
2: kind of expensive and I was excited but when they said wave time like maybe they have a wave pool or something i'm not sure but it doesn't look like no
1: you just can't have everyone doing the big but it's like what is it 800 yards or something and it's it's they they put it in the in the street they close the street so you're actually doing like this giant slip and slide. when we're talking about giant i mean it's it's huge it's like it looks like a water slide almost and imagine just in your downtown in the middle of your main street or whatever that you have a big slide that's going through the city and um
2: i think it'll be good for pictures
1: and it's also, uh, it's like an all-day event, I'm sure, in some cities that aren't Reno. Um, it becomes more of a, because they do say there's music and other events, and they mm-hmm. it, it seems like they, they generally try to gear it towards like a college crowd, which I don't know how much they're going to get in Reno, but they're like, come out in your sexiest bodies and dance the, you know, day away. Um, but Reno's just a bunch of fat, ugly people. But <laughs> that's, that's
2: why. That's not true. That's
1: why I moved here. Okay, it's not just a bunch of fat, ugly people. Um, we I'm,
2: have UNR, which is, a, you know, kind of a prestigious school. It's not like um, the best ever, but people do come here for school out of state. Okay,
1: so we'll get some of those hot biotechnical nerds down there. Um,
2: well, nerd is the new sexy, don't you know?
1: Not on the water slide. I want to see. Well, some. I'm going
2: to be on there, so that should be super fucking fun. Maybe I should wear my shirt in Reno, I'm a 10.
1: <laughs> so this drink is interesting. It's, um, again, like a typical Long Island, it's disguising. Um, you, you, you definitely can taste it because it's way more flavorful than other iced tea because, for one, that herb vodka we made is super strong. It tastes like you're just eating a mouthful of herb <laughs> crust. And then the, I can't really taste the, um, the tea rum as much, which is also strong, but you're not, you don't get that strong flavor of drinking alcohol. So um, it's, it's close. It's, I
2: think there's just a little too much triple sec because that's a little overpowering. I,
1: I can't taste any of the triple sec. I'm just tasting like herb. Um, so to me, it tastes like a Long Island iced tea that's very herby, which is good. It's a Churchill Iced Tea. If you want to get... you're
2: supposed to live off the land.
1: If you want to get as smashed as a regular person on Long Island Iced Teas, but still be classy, then get a Churchill Iced Tea next there time you, you go to your bowling alley. <laughs> All right, Heathen, you ready for feature presentation? Yes. Oh. We never drank to that, did we? To slide the city. Oops. my feature presentation my my feature presentation was hasty feature
0: feature my
1: So I have two movies to talk about here in feature presentation. One was an official Sierra Nevada movie club meetup, Love and Friendship. And the other one was a post-music movie. Uh, Went to see a concert and saw a movie beforehand. Actually was going to see X-Men Apocalypse, but ended up seeing The Good Guys. So that's the movie we're going to talk about. Now I don't have a lot of notes or um, really things written down about these movies, heathen. So just jump in. Whenever you feel like it, if something comes to mind, uh, people at home, if this is new to you, it is possible that we will cover some spoilers, so if you don't want either one of these movies ruined for you, we try not to like make a big spoiler like the ending, but we'll definitely talk about plot points. Um, so if that's of interest to you, then, uh, then skip the next 25 minutes-ish, 20 minutes. So, first film, love and friendship, with a runtime of ninety-two minutes. It's rated PG, so you can take your children to see this if you like. Although, um, unless they're American, they—I uh, mean, unless they're British—they might be able to not understand all of the language. Uh, I even found it sometimes at hard, especially in the beginning, getting. Um, I
2: Acclimated do, to the language.
1: Yeah, and I do this with any time, um, especially if I hear an Irish movie or whatever. But uh, even if I go see like a Shakespeare play, it takes me a few minutes to tell I can recognize it. Also, there was a lot of stuff going on in the beginning distracting me. There was someone that had like, I don't know if it was a cell phone or what, but it kept flashing. And then someone else was on their cell phone. And then someone else was in their popcorn. And there was a good like 15 minutes where they're introducing all of these characters where I was like, shit, I'm going to get lost because I can't focus on the movie. There's too much stimulus going on around me.
2: That was the only thing that I thought maybe they should have changed was a little bit more induction into the movie and then announce the characters just so you can at least relate to them because in the beginning of the movie, they pretty much tell you who all the characters are, but you don't know how they fit together yet. And I think if they would have just maybe done that, like... As Even they were introduced. Five minutes. Yeah. Something like that. So that you You're so gross. What? So that you could understand the connection between the two.
1: Yeah, I um it actually wasn't that bad. So they, they introduced um, maybe like twelve characters in the first few minutes. But it turns out it wasn't that bad because most of them aren't major characters and I was worried that all of these were all gonna be intertwined and all this things and, and really you only really need to focus on maybe three characters. But I but how was I to know that going into the movie? Um and it almost they introduced them almost in like a Wes Anderson way. It was like a Wes Anderson British movie in a way where they um, they would just do like a two-second scene and then they would do like a freeze frame on someone with a subtitle saying who they were um like you see in a lot of historical reenactment movies like the civil war and stuff like that um so but like i said i caught up i caught up i was i was about to get frustrated between me not being able to concentrate on the movie and then fearing i was going to get lost in the plot but there wasn't as much to the plot so that part was There was a little bit of the language. The language was the main thing in the movie. There were some really good lines. Um, there were some things that I couldn't catch because it was just going by so quickly once in a while. And, you know, it's a British film. There's sometimes there's... And it's also a period film, so that's... Right. The, not... I,
2: I would like to watch it again because I think I would catch more of her puns because um, pretty much the lead female character... Really, just um,
1: Lady Susan Vernon, played by Kate Beckinsale.
2: Yeah, she really excused all of her behavior so eloquently. Mm -hmm. Well, it's preposterous. Why would I ever do that? It was. I thought I found that very comical. Where, I mean, right down to her daughter, she wouldn't take responsibility of anything. She didn't say it was somebody else's fault, but she definitely laid claim to who could be there.
1: What was the name of the daughter? Not Francesca. Uh, but Something like that. I like it at the end when everyone's kind of fussing over and what a good singer she is, and the mom's like, well, that's enough now. We all know that Francesca doesn't really like to be praised. But, I mean, there's nothing like that. She did um, that
2: the whole entire movie.
1: So, a, a brief synopsis of the movie, real quick, in a sentence or two. Lady Susan Vernon takes up temporary residence in her in-laws' estate, and while there, she is determined to be a matchmaker for her daughter Francesca and herself, too, naturally. No, her name isn't Francesca. Frederica. 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 Um, So the main thing, this lady, Susan, she had a husband that died, and she has a reputation for... um, understanding the psychology of men and using it to her benefit
2: for being a player
1: kind of and she really does want a good life for her daughter but it's one of those things where a mother knows best so I don't care if you love him I don't care if really what you want but he has money and you don't want to not have money, do you? You don't want to be hungry, so this is the way I've lived my life, and I've done well, and now I am barely can make ends meet. Um, she not only manipulates men, but she has excuses, like, for her friend. Um, she wants someone to come along to be her serving later. Uh, she says someone to unpack and pack my things. She says, I couldn't, since we're such close friends, I couldn't offer you a salary because that would be insulting. <laughs> yeah. So, things like that. Uh, this movie was directed by Witt Stillman, Written uh, originally as a novella called Lady Susan by Jane Austen, Um, Witt Stillman, um, also he wrote the screen adaptation for this. It is based on Jane Austen's epistolary novel Lady Susan, first published in 1871. Do you know what an epistolary novel is? I don't. I had to look it up because I didn't know what it was either. It made me feel stupid. An epistolary novel is a novel that's not really written as a story, but it's written as um, most commonly as like diary entries. Hmm. But it could be also press clippings, newspaper clippings, uh, blog. Um, there's new versions of it now where they do it like uh, text messages or things like that. But it's not written as a, as a standard as a standard story. Um, So, first published in 1871, the film stars Kate Beckinsale, Chloe Savini, Xavier, uh, Javier Samuel, and Stephen Fry. Originally, Sienna Miller had been cast as Lady Susan, but Miller left to go work on American Sniper, and then they got Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Savini had previously worked together on The Last Days of Disco, which was also, also directed by Stillman, so it was sort of a reunion for the three of them this there was some talk about why is this movie called love and friendship and stillman said himself in a couple interviews several interviews that it was basically a marketing decision that was helped to sell the film to financiers and backers they thought that the title love and friendship would be more marketable than lady susan I totally agree. Also, Lady Susan wasn't one of Jane Austen's more well-known books, or even well-received books. It was kind of like considered. I think it was written when Jane Austen was in her teens, so it was like, and not even. I don't think she even finished it. And um, also, for a marketing reason, they figured it would match other movies that people knew from Austen: Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. So it made sense to do Love and Friendship. I uh, I think the title, and also Love and Friendship, was a title of another Jane Austen book, so it kind of worked that way. Jane Austen herself was known for doing several title changes, pretty much all of those. Um, I think Sense and Sensibility originally had a different name. I think Emma originally had a different name. I liked the name because it's sort of a joke, because the theme of the movie, as we sort of talked about with Lady... Um, vernon is that it's not really about love and friendship it's more about who you know and practicality
2: so you're thinking it's like a who it's not who you know it's who you blow i kind of liked the title because it's her take on love and friendship
1: um but it also it was
2: she really believed all those things. I mean, she was like, this is preposterous. I don't understand. But
1: even the book was sort of a parody or a joke of these huge overly dramatic romantic novels at the time. It was making fun of that where everything was like full of like huge sighs and and blushing women and this huge theatrics and Jane Austen's like, that's all really overdone. That's not how the world works. This is how the world works, and this was her, like her comedic take on it.
2: That's why I like it because if you look at any other movie during that time period, it's it's very strict, it's very rigid. and then you have this woman who is running around playing people, and I'm pretty sure that she was not the only one it wasn't you know the horrors that guys would go and see back in the day. This is you know somebody who's prestigious.
1: Well, even in the film someone I think that they were friends her and Chloe Savini were, were, were friends and um, Chloe Savini she didn't really have to play anyone that much she did play her husband because she wasn't allowed to see her her friend Lady Vernon but they Beth they would like toast to like well hopefully my husband will die soon and he won't get over this latest bout of the gout right um, but she had gotten what she wanted she got a husband that had money and that was they were the gold diggers of their day. And society, women, gossips, fashion, all of that kind of thing. It reminded me a little bit of the TV show Another Period that I watch. um, Even though, you know, that's way over the top.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do like that.
1: Okay, so what else did I write here? So as I talked about uh, Chloe Savini, she was forbidden to see her friend... With the worst punishment possible is that she would be sent back to Connecticut. Have you ever been in a situation with uh, where you had someone that you were forbidden to see? Yes. Yeah, how did that go? And did you listen? I did. You did?
2: I did. I complied for quite a few years, and then I waited until... Um, cause my friend had been married about the same time that I had been married. And then, um, I tried to bring it up. Like I would like to talk to my friend. We've both been married the same amount of time. And, um, my partner at the time was like, no. And just so happened that we split up like a couple months after. And we've been friends ever since the person i wasn't allowed to be friends with
1: yeah i think i was only not allowed to see people by my parents like when i was in high school i was forbidden from seeing my my best friends because um and they were partially right i mean three boys are going to get into more trouble than one boy usually and um so i could see that i don't think any time outside of that i was forbidden from seeing anyone i i I did have a girlfriend one time that expressly told me I couldn't have friends over to the apartment while she was gone or out of town or something like that. So I went out of my way and I invited everyone I could find. Not like everyone. It's not like I had a party, but I think I invited like five people over. And we played Monopoly. And she came home to get something on the way out to go to wherever she was going. She was so pissed. I mean, how can you get mad? And this was all dudes. There wasn't one girl there. How can you get mad at your boyfriend sitting on the carpet at home? playing monopoly with five other guys like other than it just being a control thing
2: i don't know you'll have to explain the situation that's it that's
1: the situation was dumb
2: my mom never said you can't see this person that i can remember i know that when i was grounded i wasn't allowed to see anybody but that's only because she trusted me and i lost that trust I, I was told I was not allowed to go to people's houses if they didn't have parents.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes so sense. So that's kind
2: of the same thing. Well, but I'm a girl. and
1: really the same thing. That's, girls get pregnant. That's kids and rules. I'm talking about mostly when I was older. I, like I did say my parents. This was when I was like 16. I wasn't allowed to see some of my friends. But the girlfriend thing was when I was older. and. Um, I did meet another girl who was over the age of 18, and her mom forbid her from hanging out with me anymore because she said she felt that I had the devil inside of me or something like that.
2: You very well might have.
1: No, they were just crazy, basically. I
2: don't know. Your views are very different.
1: I definitely don't have the devil inside of me. (laughs) Um, All right, so... Do you ever have you ever met anyone? Let's not call him a a gold digger as Kanye West would call him, but have you ever met someone that's opportunistic? Yes, you have any friends that are like that that are in a relationship just because of the let's call it not the, the security?
2: Yes, I've kind of done that myself too.
1: It's it's not a bad thing, and no,
2: it's how I was raised. You're not supposed to be the sole provider.
1: I mean, in not, there's still countries that have arranged weddings, and a lot of that is part of that. Um, India still has arranged weddings. And, and going back, it was, it was all about what can help each family out. It was not about love. It was about having kids and helping the family. Um, you still see this, maybe not the arranged marriages as much, but in Asia you still see a lot of like doing things for the greater good of the family. Than for what your own personal want, um, or even uh, some of the Asian countries where you have younger brothers and sisters, you might go out and do a bunch of shit yourself as like the older sister or older brother to make money for your younger siblings to go to school. Right. Um, you don't see that here in America, like really ever almost. But in this case, in the movie, it wasn't necessarily for the greater good of the family. It well it. It was for her greater good and her daughter's greater good. And I guess that was her family. And I guess if that's all the family have in the world, then that's the ones you should look out for.
2: Well, I guess that's kind of what I did in my marriage is I kind of looked at my situation versus what this person had to offer. And the bad didn't outweigh the good. It was actually beneficial for me to get married so i did but in the end it was actually uh, not such a good thing for my kid and i but
1: well it's always hard to know that you never know if people knew everything was a bad decision they still would make a lot of the decisions but you know you never know um what about so fran what's her name
2: francesca
1: Frederica. Frederica, we
2: keep saying So that.
1: Frederica has a, a suitor, uh, someone that her mom is trying to arrange for her. But Frederica, she says he's a nice guy in his own way. He's charming, like I would like him if he was a cousin or the cousin of a friend or a friend of a cousin. Just, I don't want to marry him. And the guy is very persistent. He comes all the way to Churchill to look for them. Um, have you ever had someone that... Uh, that has trouble taking no for an answer?
2: I have had a few, and I've never handled it very well.
1: What is a good way to handle it?
2: Well, I've tried to, you know, say no. I'm in a relationship, or I think that's I'm the not best. interested. I think
1: that's the best way to handle it. But I think-
2: then it's always come back with, but I'm this but i'm not and that makes me uncomfortable like i already said no
1: yeah so what else can you do just right. cut them off i, yeah, I think that's the worst what ends up happening i think the worst thing someone can do is um feel bad or guilty or not want to hurt their feelings uh, well maybe that's not the worst thing they can do because there are people that are like
2: you could really hurt somebody's feelings if if somebody was attracted to you and and you were not attracted to them if you were a complete asshole, and somebody said, "Hey, I would like to take you out." and you're like, "Fuck you. I would never, ever, ever date you. you." That's hurtful. Think,
1: well, who cares? It hurts their feelings for a couple days. they're they, you're saving yourself you're saving both of you a lot of time in the That's long run.
2: Probably maybe and what people should do.
1: I was gonna say, probably the worst thing that you can do is there are people that um crave the attention. So um, I've even been on the opposite end of this where I gave someone like a lot of attention and they weren't really that into me. And But then as soon as I like stopped and wanted was interested in someone else, they're like, oh, I kind of missed that even though I didn't like you at all. It's kind of an ego boost. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had someone that's like pursued me and... Well, because I always just say yes. No, I'm just kidding. I probably do, but I'm just kidding. I don't know. I've never, I've never been in the situation where I'm like, "Hey, listen, Josephine."
2: I think you have been in that position.
1: No. Nah. Well, yeah, maybe. But not really. Not not a lot. Not enough to have experience with it. Um, and not and not in a position where I knew that it was happening. Because again, this doesn't happen to guys very often. You have to be like a really hot looking guy to like have a girl that has a crush on you and not know it. There's a lot of girls that have numerous guys that have crushes on them when the girl just thinks, oh, they're just my friends or like all, you know, maybe they all want to fuck me or whatever. But totally disagree with you. But they're used to it.
2: I 100% disagree with you.
1: What part do you disagree with me on?
2: About the guys don't know that girls have crushes. I, I can tell you numerous, numerous occasions where women just want to be around the guy, taken or not.
1: I don't think it happens as often. And... I, I think the only times I've really seen it, it's been like a younger thing, where the guy's like 18, 19, 20, and the girl's like 15. Nope. And then you can tell. Nope. But I don't... All right, mm-hmm. well... Uh, callers at home, if you we'll think, agree to if you think this happens more often with guys than with girls, then please let us know on the Facebook page or on Twitter or on, uh, email, uh, potable picture at gmail.com, um, uh, potable or on the Twitter line, seven, seven, five, that's not the Twitter line. Twitter is at <laughs> potable pictures or on our potable line, seven, seven, five, nine, nine, six, three, nine, eight, six. Please tell heathen the truth that as a girl she should know that girls have to deal with this probably at least once a day where a guy might have this a couple times in his life at most
2: i don't it,
1: it, i don't know what you're disagreeing with it does a, not this does not happen it
2: happens across the board equally between men it and women it does not happen equally yes it does
1: then why is it if this happens equally so you're saying that that men are just as attractive or have just as low standards Or sorry, women have just as low standards as men or men attract women as easily. Why is it that you go to a dance club and there's like seven guys on every girl? You don't see like one guy out there dancing by himself and like seven girls grinding on a guy. Unless it's like Zac Efron. You just don't see that happen.
2: That's that's like the duck situation. Okay, have you ever seen ducks, mate?
1: No, and I don't want to.
2: Okay, well, out. While the female ducks are out on the pond, there will literally be two or three males try to jump on her. Sometimes she ends up drowning.
1: Okay, so that's just like real life. So what's your point?
2: Right. And so that happens. So that's the club. But any other time. It's not just the club. Time, it's,
1: it's, oh, any other time? That's only the club where that happens? you, you got to be kidding me.
2: Any other time, a girl will take any attention she can, no matter where it is. Or if she's single, she's like, "Oh, maybe this person is interested in me because
1: maybe just this, this, and this." Maybe, maybe just my whole life, I've never had any guy friends that were hot enough to attract women because I've never seen this. I've never seen this. Maybe you don't even—they don't even portray this in movies. Can you think of a movie where there's like?
2: I can think of like. At least five or six times it's happened. So. All
1: right. Well, you live in some I'll weird write a book about it. northern Nevada city where rude shit happens. Mm,
2: it started in Arizona, but okay.
1: All right. Well, um, how about the idea of having a reputation, uh, whether it's earned or not? Have you ever had a reputation, a bad reputation, I should say, of any sort? Fair like a little bit? Like she's a bitch or she's a slut. Because, as I said before, that's the two type of women. When I moved
2: list. from L.A. to Incline, everybody was afraid of me. Because they thought I was going to beat them up.
1: So people would go around by looking at, Look out for that Heather, Heather Cope.
2: Yeah, it was really weird. I was not used to that because I'm not that kind of a person. But because I moved from Southern California up to Incline Village, they all thought I was like this rough and tough person.
1: Well, we had that a little bit, although not as bad. I went to a really small school in Northern California. This is before high school. And we had a couple of kids, uh, twins, twin guys that moved from, I don't know if it was Southern, I think it was the Bay Area. And I went to a school where everyone, you know, knew it, it was a small school. Everyone knew each other. You go through all the grades together and... We were young enough, we didn't, you know, you, you hear about Oakland or something, you're like, oh, man, they've got to be in a gang. Yeah. And um,
2: That's pretty much.
1: And they kind of, you know, they didn't really act like that, but they, they looked like, uh, so my school was mostly just a bunch of beef eating. I wouldn't call them all white trash because some of them were quite affluent, but they were just, they were hill people, for lack of a better term and these kids came up and they kind of you know talked a little bit city wise and they were more of like i don't know if they were italian or mexican or something but they were a little bit darker than than our aryan school and um of course a lot of the girls since they'd been in the same pool for a long time anytime you see anyone new they're like oh look at those guys um and then the guys are like oh man i think they're in a gang
2: so, that probably happened with the girls. I don't know. Um, I was in choir most of my life.
1: Well, girls? And what, I dressed age, in black. What age was that?
2: Uh, halfway through my 10th grade.
1: So, okay. So, it's about that time. As I, said, I was going to say, girls should start to be outgrowing that. I would think about that time, but it seems like 13, 14, girls can be real bitches.
2: I was a young. At that time, I was a young high schooler, so I graduated at seventeen. So I must have been thirteen. I'm talking about the other grade. girls.
1: Can you stop rubbing against the microphone, please? Thanks. Sorry. All right. Um, I I just have one last note, and we'll go on to the next movie. I was just going to say this was another one of those movies where all the men are basically portrayed as fools, and that's fine because it's. They're all, everyone in the movie is basically a stereotype. No one's fully well-rounded, but I just thought it was interesting that even, even if they were um, not necessarily a bad kind of fool, they were still a fool. Like, the main guy was kind of well-respected, but they even said, well, you know, he's not very wise, and he was definitely getting duped by the main woman, for sure, played. He his like earnestness him. and sincerity made him a fool. He was too willing to believe in other people, uh, not really as an innocent.
2: That's the aunt's husband. I really liked. Their uh, talking about the together. talking
1: about the brother, the main oh. love interest in the in the film. Um, he was the least foolish, but he was just as much. I'd, I'd also say Lady Pennywise or whatever, or Lord Pennywise or whatever. He was also the less less foolish one. Um, too, because, he, but he still wasn't made out to be a good character. One one thing that was interesting about the end of this movie is that everyone got what they wanted. For this not being a stereotypical uh, love romance, and it was still realistic because everyone got what they wanted, even if it was bad things. So, um, Lady Norton, whatever her name was, she got married and had money, but she still had her boy. Her boy piece on the side. Her boy piece on the side still had Lady Norton and didn't have to deal with his wife. The two young people got together. The mother and father are happy because the the two young people got together and he didn't end up with the horrible mother. Right. So um, I think the only one that didn't get what she wanted maybe was Chloe Savini because she was still waiting for her husband to die. But she still it's ultimately, only of time. she still pretty much had what she wanted in life. She, she even had money. said
2: you married the, the wrong. Well, the friend said you married the the wrong person. He's too too young to do anything, but too old to die. Or, I'm sorry, too old to do anything, but too young to die.
1: Yeah. All right. So the next movie, The Nice Guys, with a runtime of an hour and fifty six minutes. You know, one thing about this love and friendship, it, it had your pretty standard ninety minute runtime, and it felt. A little sh- short. I thought, is this 90 minutes? I was glad. Sometimes you just get tired of seeing two- and three-hour movies. So it was nice to have a 90-minute movie, especially one that, that was pretty crisp for being so talky. It didn't drag. Nice, guys. Uh, one hour, 56 minutes. Really brief synopsis here. A mismatched pair of private eyes investigate the apparent su- suicide of a fading porn star in 1970s Los Angeles. So we've got Russell Crowe the Australian playing an American and Ryan Fantastic. Gosling, the Canadian playing an American. Um, and they get, uh, there it's one of these odd couple buddy cop movies. You've seen this with 48 hours, probably one of the best of this genre uh, with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, but you've seen it in lethal weapon, uh common, common genre. Uh, so this is still going along with that. It um, originally was proposed as a TV series, but the pilot didn't really do anything, so they made it into a movie. Um, the movie has several nods to the Rockford Files. One of them is the Yellow Pages ad that, uh, that for Gosling's detective agency. It's almost a complete copy of the ad used for Jim Rockford. Also, like Jim Rockford, Gosling keeps his gun in a cookie jar. This was the first film directed by Shane Black that does not star Robert Downey Jr. The porn star Misty Mountains is named after one of the film's production companies, which I was sort of surprised, but I guess it works. I mean, it's definitely the name of a porn star. I'm sure there's a, there's got to be a porn star out there called Misty Mountains.
2: If there isn't, they definitely should have.
1: Um, so Ryan Gosling's character, his name is Mar- March, something like that. During his opening monologue, when he's talking about uh, the downturn of society and how everything's shitty and how everything's going to get left to his daughter in a horrible world, in the background you can see a porno theater. The marquee is playing "Bang Bang Kiss Kiss," which is a play on Shane, Black, Shane Black's first movie "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang," which uh, is a is a pretty underrated little film. If you haven't seen it, it's good. It's a it's a musical. it's a musical starring Robert Downey Jr. he's a detective. Hmm. It's a good little movie It's a little little bit weird Not weird, but I mean, like I said, it's like a, a musical So it's a little weird um, This film was mostly filmed in downtown Atlanta So it, uh, downtown Atlanta had to double for 1970s Los Angeles They uh, had prop cars and plates And they had to paint um, cars to look like 1970s era L.A. cabs And that's about all I really wrote about this movie uh, did you like this film, Heathen?
2: I did. It was really good.
1: What did you like about it? Why did this film work? I should say, other than what did you like about it? What made this? Because this movie actually, uh, right, uh, Love and Friendship has a ninety-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is rather high. This film is in the nineties too. I think ninety, ninety-one percent. So again, generally, most people agree that it, that it works. But why do you think it works?
2: Well, I think it was um, you had the silly. Funny comedy going on in a serious investigation. Um, And then I also liked that the daughter of the. I can't remember his name, but that
1: March Ryan Gosling.
2: Yeah, Ryan Gosling's character. um, She really had a big role in the entire thing. And it kind of. Reminded me a little bit of Inspector Gadget a little bit.
1: Mm Yeah, I said that as we left the film.
2: Yeah. So those were some things. And then I liked um, Russell Crowe's character because he was just kind of a, a brutal guy, like very black and white. This is what I do. I don't ask any questions. I'll take 20 bucks from a seven year old to beat up somebody. And even. The daughter softened him a little bit. Yeah. Or for that one moment.
1: I think part of what worked, in my opinion, was the small nuances of the two main characters. So neither one of them were very, what you would call, good people or your stereotypical hero. But they added little details to them. And they also didn't go huge into backstory. They didn't do a lot of whole, a lot of um um,
2: where this person came from, where that person came they, from.
1: What I usually talk about on the podcast is bad writing and bad dialogue. And they did a little bit of it, but they didn't hit you over the head with it. It made you wonder. So throughout the film, Russell Crowe never drinks. And he, they never explain why. He never talks about it. He is just his character doesn't drink. And that makes it interesting. Um, Ryan Gosling. Uh,
2: I don't think they ever talked about where mom was, didn't they?
1: Yeah, well, Ryan Yeah. Um, that's why Ryan Gosling was all oh, fucked up and right. everything. Oh, that's right.
2: They only touched on it, though, like halfway through the movie, which was good. And it was just only a little portion. It wasn't like a focus.
0: Yeah, it was, a, it was where, a small thing,
1: and, it, yeah. and they did enough of it to say, okay, this is why Ryan Gosling's kind of messed up. Although he had redeeming quality. He drank too much. Russell Crowe didn't drink at all, and you can infer why Ryan Gosling drank too much because he felt guilty for the death of his wife, and um, but he was still good. at What he they were both good at what they did. Uh, Russell Crowe got paid to beat up people, and Ryan Gosling was um, uh, a three-bit investigator who would take any job, even if he thought it was ridiculous, because it was money. But he was still pretty good at it. Although, you know, it showed he wasn't perfect. He did make some mistakes. He uh, Ryan Gosling's character didn't have the ability to smell, which was just like a random thing. Didn't really have anything to do with the plot too much, at least with the ongoing plot. What were some other weird things that were in there? Um, there was just like little characteristics that made them unique characters. They weren't just any old person thrown in there. The daughter, I liked having her in there, although she didn't have a lot of personality. The reason I liked her in there is she was more of a plot device to me than a character. She was the glue that made the odd couple work. She was both of their conscience. She was the one that told her dad to get up and go to work and gave him a reason to be responsible. And she tried to um, tell Russell Crowe that... don't be a bad person, like give everyone deserves a second chance, so to speak, no matter how how bad of a person that they are. So you do see a character arc in both the characters. You do see Russell Crowe change from being someone that will do anything for money and is very vengeful to a guy that, uh, in the beginning of the film, there's a guy that he says, like, you made the worst mistake by making me an enemy, and you believe it because he's killed less people. And then by the end, he, uh, oh no, he doesn't let that guy go. He lets someone else go at the end. But anyway, he lets he lets a bad bad guy go. You've already seen him kill people, and then at at the end, he, the girl says, "If you uh, if you kill him, I won't ever talk to you again." And um, Russell Crowe's character I also thought was interesting. They did go a little bit briefly into his backstory that his wife left him for his dad, and oh, yeah. he. Um, he did not have really any, as I talked about last week on the podcast, uh, feeling value or giving value. He didn't feel good or happy in his life. You could tell by his routine. And he even says, there's a part where he talks about getting shot in a diner. And he's like, that's the only time I've like, I couldn't have felt more alive because I reacted and I felt, like, I had something to give. Both of the characters had a lot of t- uh, tough time uh, dealing with themselves and uh, being happy. Um, but other than that, it was, like you said, a very comedic movie. Um, I-, I liked that. The bad guys weren't as interesting. The, the The plot wasn't really, I don't think, that interesting. Like, when it came down to the resolution and uh, the idea was that uh, the Detroit, Detroit auto manufacturers uh, were in this big conspiracy and people were trying to prove it and they were killing everyone that could prove it. And the only way they could get the proof out was to make a porn movie with the storyline, with all the real characters. I mean, that would never happen. I mean, no one would take that seriously. You couldn't be like...
2: No, but I liked I liked whoever came up with that idea... For the movie, I think, was definitely thinking outside the box because at that time, that was probably the only way to get something yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, it is
1: interesting. I mean, imagine if so- video imagine, imagine, if someone made a porn movie of uh, George Bush's War in Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction, and you had people playing Condoleezza Rice and Dick Cheney and everything. That's basically what this movie was, but it's just... You know, I don't know. I think I think Snowden. That's what he should have done. He should have came out with a porn version of how America's spying on everyone. Uh eh, So you know, plot a little bit. It's
2: definitely a funny movie, and I think everybody should see it.
1: Good to see see Kim uh, Kim Bassinger again in something. She didn't have a very big part in the movie, but you know, you don't see her too often anymore. She's an older lady.
2: Bassinger. Yeah. Isn't it Basinger? Okay. Tomato, tomato.
1: However, however you want to mispronounce her last name. Um, so, do you think that they'll do a sequel to this movie? Or do you think it deserves a sequel? Is what no. I should say. Because they they set it up for one. I I to me I just don't think it's a kind of movie that even though I, I think it did reasonably well and was well-received by the critics, I don't think that it will do well enough that it will earn a sequel financially, like people saying, oh, there's a market for this. People don't like, even though this was a very good movie, quote, people don't like this kind of movie. People rather see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out on Friday than... Gross. ...this kind of movie. Yeah, that's
2: fine to hit this baby.
1: Thanks, Ethan. Is there um, anything else you want to say about either one of these movies before we go to our rank?
2: No.
1: All right, I got a special rank for you, Helen. In the movie, The Fool, the main fool, uh, going with love and friendship, there, there's, a, there's a fairly comedic part where he um, he gets confused. To, to, to briefen it down, he thinks that there's eight commandments, and he's figuring out which two he should take out. No, he says it's Okay, okay, I'm saying to shorten it down, Heathen, now you're making so it long. 12. Okay. To shorten it down, he thinks okay. there's eight commandments, so he's figuring out which two to take out. So Heathen, I've got the Ten Commandments, and I've really simpled them down. I've taken out all the thou and thou and everything. I want you to take these ten down to five. Which five will you keep in Heathen's Bible of Reno? So here's the commandment stripped down. It
2: has to do with Reno, but okay.
1: Do you have to interrupt like every sentence to say something that doesn't? Yes. Isn't important at this moment. That's fine to hit this baby. You guys at home, you know how obstinate heathen can get. She's killed her Long Island. One death count. Okay. Commandment one, believe in God. Commandment two, do not worship anyone or anything except God. Do not make, bow to, or worship an image or statue that is supposed to be God. Commandment three, do not take God's name in vain. I liked in the movie, he said, I didn't take God's name in vain. I don't know what he said, but he's like, I used it to swear at him. Um, or Or I thought it was quite effective. Commandment four, observe Sabbath. That means rest on the seventh day. Commandment five, honor your parents. Commandment six, do not murder. Commandment seven, do not commit adultery. Commandment eight, do not steal. Commandment nine, do not testify as a false witness. Do not lie. Um, And commandment ten, do not be jealous of anything someone else has. So break those down into five. You don't have to put them in any order. Just what five make your list?
2: Hmm. Let me borrow a pen real quick.
1: While Heathen's doing that, next week we will we have it up for a, a vote. We're either going to see The Lobster with Colin Farrell, or we are going to see Popstar with Andy Samberg. Completely different movies. One's a jackass comedy, and the other is a weird art film. All right, you've already got it down to five, Heathen?
2: I do. Um, Observe Sabbath. That means rest on the seventh day. Okay. Do not murder. Do do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify as a false witness.
1: All right. So you've taken all the God ones, which is fine. That's probably what I would do. And uh, you're like, you know, don't do anything on Sunday. Stay at home and watch football. And other than that, like they...
2: Honor your parents and don't be jealous. Um, Those are character things that can be worked on. Rather than, like, a black and white, absolutely do not. These are non-negotiables for me.
1: Yeah. So you're basically like the fool in the movies. You you pick the ones that the guy says, well, no one would do that anyway. Right. No No one should go around killing people. Like, why is that even a commandment? You just don't kill people.
2: Right. But I think as far as, like, law goes, because that's where our laws were established, is from the Ten Commandments, a lot of them. Those need to be in place so that there's just no question when people actually do it. Do not kill. It's black and white, and oh, maybe number six should be eye for an eye. Like if you do any of these things, okay, it's well, going to be done. What you would
1: add? I'm asking what your five commandments would be. It's interesting. I won't go too far on this because it's a it's a topic for another podcast. But the Ten Commandments are um, interpreted different ways. As I said, I stripped them down as simple as possible, but. If you look at them in some version, literally, there can be... I mean, even like the, the do not be jealous, that one in itself is actually like three commandments. Do not be jealous of... Do not want your neighbor's wife. Do not want your neighbor's house. Do not want... I can't remember what the other one is. It's a lot of bullshit in there. Well, no, that's not what I mean. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. But, good. I pretty much agree with your five. Congratulations, Heathen.
2: <laughs> that's fine to hit this baby.
1: All right, let's go into last calls.
0: Last call
1: looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man who's fade. Last call rich and full of aroma.
2: My Last saying for the podcast is you are just a disgusting person.
1: I'm not just a disgusting person. I have one more topic for you, actually, from the movie Nice Guy. And I wrote this down at the last minute on my thing. In the movie The Nice Guys, Ryan Gosling tells his daughter, don't say um, they're having anal sex and stuff. Just say they're having anal sex. Don't say... He was lying and stuff. Just he's so. still correcting so, her English. So, so that was a, okay. So stop. So that was a little, again, a little interesting character thing. Didn't really have anything to do with the movie, but I like that. Do you have a grammar pet peeve, Heathen? Mm,
2: I had a lot when I was raising. Okay, so you don't kids. have like a big
1: one now when you hear people say. It, I like, can't
2: stand when people say when they're talking about their accounts. You're in the negative. Because that's a it's a, it makes people feel bad. Okay,
1: that's a customer service. That's well, just no, a negative usage of words. Well, it's a banking words. thing. Yeah, it's but a banking thing. But that's not an incorrect you're use overdrawn. of
2: grammar. I think it is because the correct word is you're overdrawn. You're not negative. Aren't You're they You're overdrawn. Don't
1: they own the money? Don't They They don't have positive then money. Then tell what the
2: difference between negative and overdrawn is. Negative I, makes I, somebody feel bad. Well, and overdrawn is like a, a softer version of being negative. But I
1: don't think it's gram- grammatically incorrect.
2: You asked me what my pet peeve was, well, and that's like the hugest thing.
1: Your grammar pet peeve. But I'll accept that. All right, Heathen, do you, do you have... I, I said I accepted it. Don't bow your head in shame because you were wrong. Uh, have...
2: Grammar pet peeve?
1: No, that's fine. You, that's, that's I accept that. What's your? Uh, did you have? Oh, yeah. I think I interrupted you. What was your your last words?
2: Just you're disgusting.
1: Oh, that that no, and that's why I said I'm not just disgusting. I guess that was my grammar. You actually reminded me that that was a topic because you can't say like I mean you can, but I don't think most people would agree with you that I'm just disgusting. I'm also annoying. One
2: of the many things is you're disgusting.
1: <laughs> of all the things you are, you're also disgusting. That would there. be a better thing to say. All right, so of like I said... Of the
2: things I can think of, one of them is you're disgusting. I
1: did promise the listeners at home that we were going to do Vanilla's ice's Cold as Ice or whatever, but it's off of Netflix now, and I'm not going to go buy that shit on Amazon to rent for $5. Um, I do plan on doing a Netflix podcast sometime soon so we can get... Lean, mean Eugene back on the podcast, who's too lazy and poor. Well, he's not poor, but who doesn't go to the movies often. And when he does, it's when he Or watch ticket.
2: anything recent on Netflix. He's only classic.
1: He's not only classic. Anyways, Heathen. The point is, is we hope to do a Netflix movie soon. Next week, we will be doing Lobster or uh, Popstar. And until that time, same place, same channel, potablepictureshow.com. Keep it wet, everybody. A narcissist.
0: How about you?
1: How? How is it about me?